and welcome to a new episode of my podcast, The Nigerian Immigrant. As you may know, my name is Blossom Animbakuli. And as the name implies, this podcast is about my subjective worldview as a child of an immigrant and also a child of the world. This week's episode will be our 10th and final episode for the season. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm so excited and so thankful about the conversations that we've started, the connections that we've made, and the relationships we've built as a result of the sharing of our stories. I didn't see coming. We reached 10 countries, although it's a bit of a G. We had one country coming up twice, the Republic of Congo and Congo. So we've got 10 countries, over 200 plays. Thank you for sticking with me. This is the final episode. However, we still have so much more coming. So continue to follow, subscribe, share your thoughts, and um, let's continue this beautiful journey together. Today, I would like to share my thoughts on grief and loss. This episode resonates with me so much today for many reasons that I will, I will unravel, I guess, later on in the episode. But I think, and I know that it it will resonate with you too because even though you haven't you may not have somebody close to you that's passed away there is so much more about grief and loss in at this time of uncertainty time of anxiety that is the covid era and i really hope that we can learn one or two things from one another and that we can comfort one another through this episode this is a very difficult episode for me it's not something that I talk about a lot. Unfortunately, grief is not really something that we talk about too much. It's something that we are expected to learn how to get through and overcome. My first death experience was with my grandfather. I remember thinking at the time that he passed away, wow, this is my first and it's just going to go downhill from, from here. And I was kind of right in the sense that you know, you never get to, you, you will always continue to lose people. And I think that if we, we can never delude ourselves with the fact that death is ever present, it's going to always be there. We will die one day. I will die one day. And it's just a fact of life. I think as humans, we might try and we should try to prepare our loved ones and our families for that eventuality. For your parents' death though, nothing prepares you for that. And I think for the death of somebody from your nuclear family. My grandfather's death was upsetting, more upsetting because obviously you see your loved ones. Like I saw, I watched my aunties uh, and my uncles be very affected by it, by it. After my grandfather's death, my uncle died. My uncle was my father's best friend. They did everything together. They motivated each other. They, you couldn't tell my dad's story without my uncle's story. He was his elder brother. That death really affected my dad and you'd never really see it. He was very strong and he never showed how much it affected and impacted his life. But three to four years later, my dad passed away. That was the single most difficult time of my life. And the path to now has not been the same because of it. And I'll share the main reason for that is the difficulty 
and being vulnerable at a time like that. For me, I uh, was in high school. Nobody told me anything. I had come home from my midterm break like every other kid in my boarding school. I'd come home and I was told that we weren't staying at my house, that my father was unwell. I didn't know to what extent. He was never a sickly person. I didn't know what to expect. We got to the hospital and he was quite unwell. He looked uh, physically emaciated, but he was in great spirits. He was cracking jokes like he always did. I could tell that my dad was there, perhaps not physically, but I could tell that he was still there. And I think it was his way of telling us that it was okay. I remember years later, even now, sometimes when I go through something difficult, I remember him just laughing and joking. And, and I know that I can do it. I felt that I was responsible for my younger ones. I didn't grieve like I was supposed to. I was, I told myself that I had to be strong, that if I was strong, then everybody else would be strong and they wouldn't fall apart. So I did what I thought I had and I needed to do. Because I didn't have time or the opportunity to grieve, I struggled many years later to, to grieve the loss of my dad. Immediately after he was buried, I went back to boarding school. It was within a period of a, a few weeks. I didn't tell anyone what had what happened. I just went in like normal. I didn't say anything. I didn't want to be pitied. I just wanted to get on with it because that's what I needed to do. I got on with it until people that I knew from home uh, told other people and then eventually everyone who knew me knew that I'd lost my dad and and people started to feel sorry for me. And I didn't want that. Um, I didn't want to acknowledge that it had happened. I was moving on. I felt that I needed to continue to move on. And when I had to stop to acknowledge the, the empathy or the kindness, it was difficult. I, I didn't need the, the sympathy or the empathy. I needed to move on because that's effectually what I've been told. Not quite verbally, but certainly in action. I think that in, in talking about grief and loss, allowing the person or people or the opportunity to grieve, you know, the time to cry and be sorrowful and, you know, wear your pajamas and not get out all day. The weeks and the months that, that you need to do that, that's very important. And when you love somebody who's who, who's going through grief, it's good to let them to, to go through the process because it's a process and they'll get through the other end and they'll be fine. They'll never forget the person. Those memories never go away. They may fade, but the feeling, the words, they'll never go. The love that that person's shared, the way they've made us feel, that's forever. Another reason why this topic is also important to me is because of the recent death of my grandfather-in-law. His burial was last week. He died the week before. He was an amazing man. He was well loved by his family. He loved his family and he lived for his family. He was 94 years old. He was independent. He was well loved. And it was a very sad day. There are monetary concerns about grave. 
sometimes when you have loved ones who pass away, you don't, you don't have time to grieve because you're concerned about how you survive. If you're a child and you don't have any other parents, you're concerned about your survival. If you're also the benefactor of your family and their member dies, you're concerned about the financial impact. In terms of the cost of burials and funerals, in Nigeria, people can be kept in if a mortuary for months. This gives the family time to gather money for the celebration of the person's life. And in some cases, it's not a celebration. In Australia, funerals occur almost immediately. People start paying for their funerals from whenever they're ready. There are funeral insurances um, and they give your, families up, your family up to $15,000 for your funeral. There is life insurance policies, so you can get lots of stuff to cover you. And at a minimum, there is a funeral package provided by the Australian government. Another death that's worried me in the last few days is the death of my third cousin from low blood glucose or hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia is when you have a low sugar level. What you essentially do is to monitor your sugar level and eat something sweet to increase your sugar level. However, he was given insulin, which made it worse. Unfortunately, diabetes is still the top 10 killers around the world, according to the World Health Organization. It is relatively easy to manage when people take their medication. So their medications for hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia. All around the world, people don't take the medications that they need for many reasons. It could be because it's too difficult to do, perhaps access costs also, coexisting factors. For example, if you're unwell and you can't eat, your blood sugar level lowers or drops. You need to act quickly or the people around you need to act quickly. And when you don't have adequate health professionals around you or people who understand what your illness is and how to support you when you're unwell, that's a risk. And unfortunately, this young man died because he didn't get the, the adequate amount of health support that he needed, even though he was being treated by a nurse. Even in the time of COVID, there are negative psychological consequences of COVID-19 on, on every single member of my community and your community. There are psychological consequences of COVID on our health professionals is undisputed. If you have a look at New York, for example, where health professionals have to share PPE just because they don't have enough. They put their health at risk and the health of their patient at risk. There are psychological consequences of COVID on people who choose to self-isolate or who, are, who have to quarantine. There are also psychological consequences of COVID on people who have lost their jobs or their way of lives as a result of COVID and just a general uncertainty of not knowing when things will return to normal. Now more than ever, if we are to survive this, we need to start taking deliberate steps in self-care, you know, that walk, that friend that you enjoy talking to, or that family member. Meditation and yoga, and keeping up with those medications. Connecting with a therapist, and keeping in touch with your community and religious networks, 
also volunteering. Look, I've started um, doing that recently too. Well, in the last couple of months, just volunteering and doing something. And one day somebody said, thank you for what you do. And I thought, what? What I'm doing is not a lot. I started to, I got involved with delivering food uh, with my local Mills and Wills. I do it half a day, one day a week. It's been fun for me, something different for me to do, something to get out and just drive. And I'm basically a driver. I drive out and I deliver food to people. It just makes me feel like I'm connected, like, like I'm doing something. And if that's you, if you're somebody who likes to help people, there might be something for you. But in all this, I am rooting for you and I'm rooting for me. And I hope and I know that we'll come through this so much better than when, what we were when we started. But can I say a big thank you to you for listening to the final episode of my podcast, The Nigerian Immigrant. This has been an absolutely joyous and fun experience. If you'd like to keep up to date with season two of The Nigerian Immigrant, follow me on Instagram at The Nigerian Immigrant. Make sure to follow, like, and share this podcast if you've enjoyed it. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye for now.